going inside him. We're going outside him. Inside him, outside him. And when you get him on the run once, we're going to keep him on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget, man. We're going to get him on the run. We're going to go, 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 go. 31-24. Notre Dame is number one. He's 10. He's into the first. Touchdown. Here goes Morrison. Down the sideline. Can he go? Yes, he can. I'm ready for this my whole life. Welcome to the First and Gold Podcast, the official podcast of the Irish Tribune. I'm Nick Kramer, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Kramer. Be sure you're checking us out at theirishtribune.com. Follow us on social media at the Irish Tribune and at First and Gold Pod. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, additionally, we have our very first guest on the show today, and we are very excited about it. Our good buddy, our colleague, and my fellow editor at the Irish Tribune, Liam Gaudet. Liam, welcome to the show, buddy. It's been uh, long overdue. Hey, thanks, Nick. Yeah, um, I've been, you know, listening to the show since you guys started. Um, obviously, Nick and I have worked together at the Tribune since early 2022, uh, working on growing that and uh you know i'm i'm so honored and so thankful for you guys to be able to have me on and talk some irish football and yeah i'm excited uh yeah, just man. for those guys that, that don't know me uh, my name's liam i'm uh, one of the editors over at the irish tribune and uh yeah i oversee the writing department so uh head on over to the irish tribune.com uh we we post uh notre dame football content short form content long form content daily articles um so yeah and again thanks again so much for having me on i appreciate it of course, man. We're excited, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we get you on. And uh, just real quick, I guess, uh, let me ask you this so that listeners can can get a little more knowledge on you. Who's your all-time favorite Notre Dame football player? I'm putting you on the spot here. I didn't tell oh, you about man. It beforehand. I know. Oh, I know. Uh, I'm, throw, nice I'm throwing that on you. I know, right? Uh, yeah, that that's fair. I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm only 24. Um, but, uh, I did play wide receiver when I played football. So a guy that I really look up to, I know he didn't pan out in the NFL, but Will Fuller is easily my all time favorite Love it. player. Man. Hey man, you can't that's go a wrong good with pick. that pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. <laughs> that's a good pick. from Philly, baby. That's right, man. I, I've been, I've been wanting more speed like that on the Irish roster since he left, man. I mean, I know we got phase on, but. Well, let's get some more of that, we, you know. Cam Williams, do, baby. Cam Williams. Cam there Williams. There you go, Cam. Cam's yes, coming. Sir. I feel like the problem with the speed, though, is sometimes we don't know how to utilize it. Like, if you look back to um, a guy like Braden Lindsay, and even recently with Chris Tyree, you have those those speed, like, I don't want to say gadget type of players, but those speed guys, they're sometimes underutilized on the roster a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, man. And Hey, hopefully, uh, I think Denbrock was Fuller's offensive coordinator, I want to say. So yep. uh, maybe uh, Denbrock will figure out how to use the speed. So, uh, But anyway, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Um, exciting time for Notre Dame football. Uh, just like we did last week, we want to start off with our questions. Um, 
I felt like Joe and I really liked how it kind of set the tone for us, um, kind of got us going. So we're going to continue. Yes, um, and and uh, Joe, I'm going to let you kind of lead uh, lead off with the questions, man. Right on. Let's let's get it. Let's get it rocking in here. So uh, we have our first question from Dan Marchaladon. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Dan Marchaladon. Uh, he asks us, who is the unsung player of the year? You know, the player without much hype, but always got it done. And Nick, for you putting Liam on the spot, I'm going to let you take <laughs> this one uh, for for us to get started here. Hey, I deserve that. Yeah, um, <laughs> man, uh, a lot of a lot of names come to mind for me. Um, you know, th there's the Jack Kaisers and J.D. Bertrands. I, I feel like I've been screaming their names since uh, since back in August. Um, but then also, I, I mean, I. I know now it's kind of hindsight because everybody loves him, but I feel like Howard Cross was kind of a, an unsung player of the year. I, mm -hmm. I feel like he did so much for our defense um, this year and, and was just such a difference maker. Uh, I think that's going to be my answer. Joe, Liam, what do you guys think? Liam, I'll let you take it. Yeah, well, Nick, you nailed it. I had two guys picked out before this, and they were both uh, Jack Kaiser and Howard Cross. Uh, if you want to take a look at, you know, Howard Cross is so, so undervalued until I think people started to turn their heads toward the latter half of the season after he had that three sack game. Uh, and I think he was PFF's highest graded defensive tackle uh, one or two weeks there. So he started to make waves and I'd go as far as to call him one of, if not the best interior defensive lineman in college football. And Jack Kaiser also, you know, such a solid player. He had over 60 tackles this season and he kind of lives in the shadow of J.D. Bertrand in a sense that, you know, we we praise J.D. so much for being the model of consistency that sometimes we forget about just how consistent Jack has been on the other side there. So, um, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly 100%. Those two guys, if I had to lean towards one, I'd say Cross just because he's returning and how much of an asset that's going to be for the interior next year. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm coming in third here because I can tell you guys are both wrong. You guys are both wrong. <laughs> All are, right. you say, are you going to say Botello, Joe? No, no, I'm not Not going to say my son. I'm not going to say we're I, the hype train does start today for Jordan Botello's rebound year in uh, 2024. But all right. I like that. But here's here's where I have it. Um, I'm staying on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm going with my man Cam Hart. And the reason I'm going with Cam Hart, I think a lot of the secondary play, I think there's obviously a lot of hype about um you know, how good Benjamin Morrison played as a freshman and then obviously backing it up, having um, an exceptional sophomore year. Xavier Watts exploding onto the scene as the, you know, best player in probably college or actually voted with the award, uh, the best college football player on the defensive side. Um, so Cam Hart kind of got overshadowed a little bit for his awesome play because I don't think there was a lot of quarterbacks that were throwing to wide receivers that Cam Hart had in coverage. So I would say he would be my my guy who uh, maybe been the most unsung player of the year on the defensive side. And I'm super excited to see kind of uh, what his NFL combine results are going to be and kind of where he's going to be evaluated uh, during the draft process. I think that's a really good pick, man. I, I, I feel like he is always, not always, but especially this year, He's kind of the forgotten man, but he was so good this year. Like, he was so consistent. I mean, yep. 
just a phenomenal player. So I think that's a great pick. And yeah. Could you say that he was maybe the unsung player of the year? Is that you what you're saying? You know what? All right, Joe. I'm <laughs> your own horn there. Yeah, I got you. Uh, um, no, good pick, man. And I, I hope he has a long NFL career. I really do. All right. Well, good stuff. All right. So I'm going to start. The less, you know, the less you notice those cornerbacks, the better, too. So that's Hey, that's 100%. true. It's, it's like linemen, you know? Like You, <laughs> you, you don't want to have linemen being called out because that means they're probably doing something wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those are pick. facts. Those are facts, and it comes with the territory of the job. So, Jose Marrero, uh, he posed a question. When are they going to announce the 12th game for next season? It's starting to get worrisome, and I think we could dive into this a little bit more on maybe who would you like to see uh, you know, join the schedule uh, as part of you know the 2024 season, and it's going to be a big one because I know expectations are playoff or bust. And Nick, I'll let you take this one again. Okay, yeah. Uh, so originally it was going to be Miami. Uh, they had to cancel that game, um, and then reports, you know, coming out of Notre Dame was that it would be Army at uh, Yankee Stadium, and you know. Uh, everything that we've heard is that was pretty much a done deal, but now army is joining, uh, the AAC. So there's a little bit of conflict there. So I, I still think it'll be army, um, but they, they got to get all of that resolved. So I, I think the contract issues between the two parties and army joining the new conference, uh, I, I believe that's what's holding up the official announcement. Um, now it could fall through. And if that's the case, um, you know, some other options, uh, for the Irish schedule, man, um, you know, I, I'd love to see him try to get another game, maybe out West. I I'd love to see him schedule like an Oregon or, uh, uh, even a Utah. Like I, I would love one of those matchups. I don't know. Uh, do you guys, what, what do you guys think on that? Well, I think the best part about being Notre Dame is that there are always 130 plus teams in the country that want to play against you. So if a team shows any sort of mutual interest towards wanting to play against Notre Dame next season, they're probably going to have their pick of the litter. Now, would that be it's it would it be difficult to say right now? Probably because we're in the midst of such a crazy conference alignment thing that has stretched almost a year now. Um, there's still rumors spiraling about, you know, whether or not Notre Dame's going to join this conference or do this or that or the other thing. But um, as far as, as it stands right now, I, I agree. I'd like to see Notre Dame, you know, renew some, some of the older rivalries either out West or maybe, you know, pick up a big 10, uh, pick up a big 10 team on the schedule because this is the championship window. I would call this for Notre Dame, given what their schedule is right now. You know, you don't have Ohio state, you don't have Clemson, you don't have that marquee matchup on your schedule right now outside of, you know, Florida state or Texas A&M. But those are both those schools are definitely on the decline heading into next season, especially Texas A&M with the mass exodus of the, the transfers and, and everything else going on there. And, you know, Florida State losing uh, Jordan Travis and that stout defensive line. So um, I don't know, but I would solemnly say that, you know, you should not be worried. There's always going to be a team that will love to play Notre Dame because it's good for them. It's good for the sport in general. That's a good point. Yeah, Joe? those were no, those were great points from both your sides. Um, I, I'm kind of with you, Nick. I, I expect it to be, you know, uh, Army and working that out with, you know, obviously their scheduling uh, that they're trying to work through. 
I would anticipate they somehow, you know, get that work done. Um, you know, reason for the delay is again, just with the conference realignment and, and getting that all, all shaken out. So, um, Hopefully, you know, they, they get that announced here soon. I'm sure they want it out as soon as possible as well. Um, but if I could have my choice, you know, if it was my choice of saying, hey, who would you want Notre Dame to go out and get uh, to put on the schedule? Uh, I like what both of you said. I, I love going out west. I love getting the coaching staff and, and pretty much gathering, you know, obviously Notre Dame fans are across the country, right? So, you know, basically gathering – audiences out West and, you know, attracting alumni networking, and then also providing, you know, recruiting visits for the coaches is always a great opportunity out West. They'll have that opportunity with USC next year when they go out uh, to LA, but getting another chance to whether, um, you know, it's in the Northwest of, of the country or, you know, possibly, um, you know, further West kind of maybe in uh, Nebraska, Iowa, those sort of things. I think those are always would be, be good opportunities. Please don't let it be Iowa. <laughs> Please don't let it be Iowa. No, I'm just messing. But yeah, no, great points, man. I, I'm with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But Liam, I thought you also brought up a, a great point that th there's going to be no shortage of of options for the Irish uh, when it comes to filling out the schedule. So, yeah, uh, Jose, I, I totally understand your question, but don't stress too much, man. It's it'll all work itself out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we'll move on to the next question that kind of dives into personnel a little bit. Corey Keene, I appreciate the question. And again, Jose and Dan, we appreciate the questions as well. Uh, Corey asks, we'll be the first time listening. Thank you, Corey. Hope you enjoy the podcast. What are your thoughts on Adon Schuler? How do you think Coach Denbrock coming back helps recruiting skilled players? So, uh, Liam, I'll let you uh, go first on this one. What are your thoughts on Adon Schuler's development going into 2024? Yeah, I've been high on uh, Adon Schuler ever since he committed. And I feel like in that 23 recruiting class, he was overshadowed a little bit due to the, you know, the Peyton Bowen drama at the end. But what I will say about Schuler is he didn't look out of place in that bowl game. You know, he made, I know his style, I think he had one tackle, but when I, I noticed him out there, I saw him and I said, oh, great. You know, it's great that this kid's seeing the, the field early, as early as he is. He's got great length, great athleticism, and then, you know, Notre Dame has shown that they have the pedigree to develop those safeties. So if there's one thing you shouldn't be worried about, it's the development at the safety position, especially over the last couple of years. They turned a three-star wide receiver in Xavier Watts into a Nagurski trophy winner. So I have absolutely no issues and no worries with Schuler. I think he's going to be a star. Well said. Yeah. Uh, and just to follow up on that, um, I, I was very high on him coming out of high school as well. And, and I'm like you, Liam, watched him in the bowl game the game seemed to come uh, pretty naturally to him for his first time really getting true snaps out there. Uh, he looked impressive. His athleticism looked impressive. Um, I, I think a lot of it depends on how quickly he can pick up uh, the entirety of the defense. Um, but, you know, watching him out there, and, and if you've listened to any past episodes, you know, my concerns when it comes to the safety position, as far as depth goes, we need somebody, you know, next to X Watts back there. Um, and, and I could see it being a Don Schuler. I, I think, uh, I, I think he flashed some serious talent um, and, and we need somebody to step up back there. So Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you guys. I think this guy flashed throughout the years with the opportunities that was presented to him. The first one that comes to mind, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was kind of in mop-up time during the Pittsburgh game. 
he had an impressive play at the line of scrimmage where it kind of reminded me of uh, a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa play where he kind of got low on a block that was coming at him, almost where he slid on his knees and blew up the running back uh, right at the line of scrimmage. And it looks so smooth and natural. And you could tell kind of what you hinted at, Nick, is those football instincts are, are natural to him. Um, which is always something that you want to see out of that safety position because they're going to have to read a lot of things uh, quickly once the ball is snapped and even during uh, those pre-snap motions, et cetera. Uh, so those are great signs for, you know, obviously great upside for Adon to, uh, I would say, form into his own uh, with this Al Golden defense. However, I'm with you, Nick. The major concern is depth. You know, right now I see Xavier Watts, Don Schuler, and Ben Minnick being, uh, you know, the sole part of that safety group. And that's just not enough guys to, uh, you know, be successful or put yourself in a top tier uh, college football playoff unit. Um, you know, obviously Xavier Watts, you know, we can, you know, talk circles about how great uh, he has become. But, you know, I think and I hope that, you know, the coaching staff uh, is looking at the portal to maybe uh, aid that, that unit a little bit more with some more experience um, along with, you know, obviously helping out with that depth issue. Yeah. yeah and but, losing a guy like Ramon Henderson definitely hurts as well. Yeah. Yeah. Both good points. And uh, one other name I wanted to bring up um, additionally with the safety room is uh, Luke Talich or Talik. I'm not hundred percent sure on how to pronounce that, but uh, the coaching staff seems to love, love him. So you know, he could be another guy that goes on scholarship um, soon, and he's another guy that could compete for playing time. But um, overall, yeah, I think uh, as a collective group, we're all very high on Adon Schuler. So. Perfect, perfect. And then Corey followed up this question with, how do you think Coach Denbrock coming back helps recruiting skill players? And Liam, uh, I know you already hinted that, you know, Will Fuller's your favorite player and Mike Denbrock contributed to his recruiting. Uh, what are your thoughts on Denbrock being back in the helm and starting his recruiting campaign for the Irish? Well, I think it's it's pivotal. I mean, if you look, it, somebody needs to pick up the slack with uh, where Chancey Stuckey left off and, you know, the mass, the mass ex exodus of the wide receiver room took place. You know, we're already seeing, you know, we've got guys coming in, Bo Collins, Chris Mitchell, but we need a guy that's going to be able to take the top off the defense. This is modern college football. If you look at the best offenses, over the last half decade or so that have won national championships, they've had that guy, right? And being at LSU, he's coached a guy like Malik Neighbors, and they're constantly bringing in talent like that. So I, th I think, you know, his pedigree should be able to speak for itself. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman's done a good job at uh, getting in early with a lot of these, these very talented players, um, not just in the Midwest, but all over the country. And that's how he landed commitments from the five-star guys. So I think with them, Denbrock's pedigree and getting in early with these, you know, high floor, even higher ceiling talent guys can go a long way. That's how you land recruitments. So one, the pedigree of Denbrock should help a lot. And two, pair that with Marcus Freeman's ability to get in early with a lot of these higher talent guys. I think, you know, there is no ceiling with what they can accomplish in the recruiting department. Yeah, well said. Um, Joe, you want to follow up on that? Or you want me to go ahead and take it? Go ahead and take it, Nick. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, back with his time previously at Notre Dame, I, I thought Denbrock was a great recruiter. I feel like, you know, he's not, um, the young energetic Stucky 
Uh, I feel like he's someone that players relate well with. Um, players seem to love playing for him. And then on top of that, I mean, his resume damn near speaks for itself. Um, all he's got to do is is show that, you know, he helped develop a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. Uh, he had the number one offense at LSU last year. What he's done with guys like Desmond Ritter uh, and the Cincinnati offense. And then most importantly for me, I think Dimbrock, number one, this is his third stint at Notre Dame. So I feel like he loves Notre Dame. He wants to be here. He wants to be here uh, for the long term, and he knows how to sell Notre Dame. I, I feel like not everybody uh, can sell Notre Dame. Uh, I, let me rephrase. I feel like it's not as easy to sell Notre Dame to kids, all kids in today's day and age, uh, without truly understanding Notre Dame. And I think he understands that. So I have high expectations for him as a recruiter. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do. 1000% Nick. And just to kind of piggyback on the things that you guys mentioned, I think the best thing that he's kind of bringing to the table uh, from his experience as LSU is he has a Heisman trophy that he can say that he developed um, over on the LSU side. And Obviously, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Brian Kelly. I never want to toot that horn uh, for, for the Tigers. But um, it is, you know, an impressive thing that Coach Denbrock can be, uh, I guess, can bring as part of his resume uh, is developing Jaden Daniels. And I'll be excited with, obviously, we have the excitement of Deuce Knight and obviously C.J. Carr enrolling. Uh, but I'll be interested to see who he targets as the next quarterback to kind of follow uh, this new, I would say, recruiting uh, that under Marcus Freeman of going after the top tier quarterbacks. Um, I was always frustrated when, you know, Brian Kelly was the head coach and it feels like we would follow up with our number one guy, the five star, and then follow it up with kind of a, a mediocre three star, not mediocre, but you know what I mean? It's not the top tier guy and kind of wanted to go off that, you know, one, two punch. Um, you know, I don't know if that was more for the development of the five-star feeling more comfortable uh, coming into where he doesn't feel like he has that much competition. I'm not necessarily sure. But um, I, I hope Marcus Freeman and Mike Denbrock continue this recruiting QB train that they've developed so far and have recruited. And I'm excited to see who he attacks for, uh, you know, the 2026 class uh, for uh, you know, Notre Dame's quarterback unit. Yeah, well said, man. Well said. I, I think it's very safe to say that uh, quarterback recruiting has taken a, a huge uptick here recently, and it's it's a breath of fresh air because, you know, we had to go through the, the Tommy Reese years of recruiting and, and development of quarterback, and that was not always – the most yeah. enjoyable experience. So no, and we know <laughs> well, that's well most, said, and that's the most important <laughs> unit um, that you know obviously correlates to offensive success. Right? Is is having a guy that touches the ball every play, that's a playmaker and is an elite at that level. So uh, I hope we continue that trend, and I love what what we have going so far. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. That's your linchpin back there, and if you can raise that ceiling, it makes your job as a developer a little easier, right? So. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll stick on the personnel side. We got a DM question, uh, you know, toward our Twitter. Uh, this person asked, who are three freshmen in the recruiting class that you expect to get playing time in 2024? 
Um, I'll go ahead and start with this one. I think one easy one off the bat, um, especially due to a little bit of an exodus uh, in this unit to the transfer portal. Um, obviously, losing Rico Flores is, is going to be tough, and we still have a pretty relevant young uh, room. And I think Cam Williams is, is going to be able to step in right away and be a contributor to this offense. So that is one guy for me. So that will be my number one pick. I know I'm cheating here, uh, but I'll go ahead and take Cam Williams. Do you guys have other guys that are in mind for uh, playing time in 2024? Liam, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I, this is kind of a cop-out answer too, but obviously when signing the came around, we didn't have much worry except for one guy. There were a little bit of rumblings. And it's for good reason. It's Kingston Viamuasa. Now, this guy is all over the field. He's a five-star on Rivals. Um, Notre Dame is going to see, you know, an influx um, in talent with some of Marcus's with some of Marcus Freeman's guys like Jalen Sneed getting a little bit more playing time. And uh, once those older guys start to cycle out, you know, um, Kaiser will be in rotation, obviously. But seeing a guy like KVA get some get some playing time early would be definitely a huge bonus. I will say, uh, at the risk of taking Nick's guy here, I will say uh, Bryce Young has looked magnificent. That guy is an absolute unit, and I wouldn't be surprised if he managed to squeeze in some early playing time as well. Stole my pick, Liam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no that, 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 you're spot on, man. Uh, and, and like I always do, I'm going to cheat a little bit. There was a few guys that, you know, on top of Cam Williams at KVA, um, you know, I feel like uh, Micah Gilbert's going to get some playing time. I think he's physically ready. I think he's one of those guys that he's a good route runner. He, he can play that boundary receiver. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to also see him get some reps at that receiver spot. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, both running backs maybe get some touches. I know touches are going to be hard to come by, but I think they're both talented enough. But my pick eventually was going to be Bryce Young. That, I mean, the the leaps that he has taken, even just over, you know, from his junior year to his senior year, have been insanely impressive. And what he's doing down at the uh, All American Bowl as well. I mean, he looks like a guy that could come in and make some noise. So, Nick, I, I'm super excited. I I've seen the Twitter clips of Bryce Young. And Notre Dame was on this early. I think he had obviously a bump recently in his recruiting ranks, but Notre Dame, and obviously he's a legacy guy. This is a guy that they were going to go after anyway, but I don't, I think a lot of the recruiting, I don't know, beat writers, uh, you know, didn't see the ceiling that was ahead for Bryce Young and he's just hitting his stride where he is absolutely flashing at the all American game and, the Twitter videos that he's showing, uh, showing off his athleticism Impressive. off the line. Yeah. Woo-wee. I cannot wait to get this dude uh, in a gold helmet going against our O-line uh, to obviously uh, start competing to get playing time. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, he's going to get into a college strength program next year too and add some more lean muscle. That guy is already as tall as it gets. Wait until he gets broad. He's going to be yeah. quite literally impossible to stop. Yeah, very good point. All right, so that's a little bit of our personnel talk. Uh, we do have some uh, a last DM uh, that wants to talk a little college football. What were your guys' thoughts on the semifinal games, and who do you think wins the championship game on Monday? Liam, I'll let you take this one. What were your thoughts on uh, you know Texas Washington, and then obviously the Rose Bowl with Alabama Michigan? 
well, this is the second year in a row we've been treated to just two phenomenal semifinal playoff games. I mean, I would have loved to have watched Tommy Reese lead uh, an incredible drive at the end of the at the end of the game to to tie um, to tie and force a third overtime, but obviously that didn't work out. Um, you know that Alabama offensive line has been an issue for them all season long, and I put something on Twitter about it. They had the number one um, offensive tackle starting for them in the 2023 recruiting class, Caden Proctor, um, and he was just getting bullied. I think I want to say a 90% of first downs. Michigan was setting the house at uh, Alabama, and they didn't really have a ha- an answer for it until later into the third quarter. I think uh, until there was about six minutes left in the second quarter, maybe a little bit less, they only had 40 yards of, of total offense, which is like mind boggling. But as Notre Dame fans, obviously you guys both know it's a Tommy Reese offense. I, was I surprised? <laughs> not, not entirely, but um, <laughs> I love yeah, the no, shot. What, <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was an incredible game. Um, I, there was some, uh, some comments on Twitter about, you know, um, was that the correct play call um, or was it a busted play at the end there with the low snap? I saw somebody say, oh, you know, it was supposed to be a swing pass um, out into the flat where he only had to beat one guy to the corner, but because the snap was low, that forced Milro to improvise. I'm not sure. I guess we can, I'm not sure if anything was said about that. It, it very well could have been the case, but either way, an instant classic. Um, the same, same with Texas Washington. I know it was close at halftime and then Washington started to pull away. I remember I was watching the game with my brother and I told him, all right, you can shut this off and you can go play video games now with a minute left. He goes, oh no, you know, watch, wait and see what happens. And uh, sure enough, that uh, that injury to Dylan Johnson forced an injury timeout for Washington and some late dramatics. Um, but I, what I will say is I've never seen, you know, three worse play calls with the game on the line. I don't think Texas threw the ball in bounds until the final play. Um, and that first and 10 from uh, the 12 yard line, they, they wasted five seconds by throwing the football into the flat. So um, they had every opportunity to win that game, but uh, yeah, they couldn't get it done. But man, what a spectacular semifinal. Both games. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It, they were definitely a treat to watch. Um, they were, you know, even though I, I don't love the outcome, but um, the, the Alabama Michigan game was, was a classic. It, it was great from start to finish. Uh, it did look like those past, uh, Notre Dame offenses. So I could tell, uh, Reese was up there telling people to do their effing job. And, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how well they did on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was, a, it was a great game. I didn't get to see the whole Texas Washington game because it didn't start until after nine freaking clock. I, I hate is, that. It's so ridiculous, man. I some of us have to work the yep. next day. It's Come a work on. night. It's a work night. I'm going to bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I watched a little bit of it and I was like, oh, I got to go to bed. We'll see what happens. But um, really good games. Uh, great teams, man. All fun to watch. I'm excited for the matchup on Monday, even though I'll probably get to watch half of that as well. (laughs) Yeah. God, Nick, I was watching the Alabama Michigan game and I'm like, I can't root for either of these teams. I somehow I want it to be a tie. I want, you know, something to go brawl and some big controversy. I just, with the whole cheat again, Connor Stallions scandal, it's still fresh in my mind, even though I feel like it's been swept under the rug by the media. Um, Did you see Stallions was there? Like, of course yeah, he was. was. 
<laughs> he was course. sitting right right behind Michigan's bench, like with former players and stuff. Like, dude, this is what drives me nuts. This dude was in Central Michigan gear and sunglasses at an eight o'clock p.m. game earlier this season, and it's like, oh, Jim Harbaugh took a three game suspension. We're good. I'm like, what the? I mean, that is crazy stuff that was going on. Egregious acts of cheating i would say just going right. way past um you know obviously the the laws of of what you can do scouting wise and the fact that it just happened with a, a stinking three game suspension uh when when michigan basically was playing uh, nobody besides ohio state just drives me insane so i can't root for them can't stand michigan obviously the whole tommy reese drama I, i'm not too fond of that either so it was a lose-lose situation for me, um, you know, whichever outcome it is. But I will tell you this. I am the biggest Washington Husky fan. Um, you know, I hope Washington can get it done. I got nothing against Washington. Um, you know, we don't really, you know, compete against them from, um, you know, what I remember from my childhood. I think we did play them once. Um, was that during the Jimmy Clausen years? But um, regardless. I, yeah. Regardless, I you know I don't have no ill ill feelings towards Washington, so I I hope they get it done. And I actually you know watching Michael Penix a little bit more, he is impressive. He's an impressive quarterback that I think is probably raising um, up the draft rankings and probably up there. I think maybe with the Drake May. I don't know if he's up there with the Caleb Williams talk for maybe top quarterback, uh, but he's playing himself into a lot of money, and I hope he gets it done for uh the huskies that that's kind of my take yeah no i and yeah. just to follow up real quick i mean the, the whole michigan thing uh they're they're not even trying to hide it anymore jj mccarthy just came out and said yeah you know we're, we're trying to keep it with everybody else like yeah so, no he said he, I think he said something like oh 80 percent of 80 percent of college teams yeah. are doing this but to that degree though really and to come out and say it it's just you know the cherry on top after you know, it's had idiocy. To sit yeah. <laughs> you're you're being investigated. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, I and, and now you're just flat out admitting it. I mean, it's it's craziness. Yeah. And who who knows if you know if Michigan wins, if it'll even count. You know, five years from now, but yeah. it is what it is. But uh, yeah, man, I've been I've actually been pulling for uh, Washington uh, since the start. I'd love to see them see them get the dub. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's a brand that's you know not as as widely recognized as the other three in the playoff, and and to see how far you know Penix has carried them is is something really special. And you know I, I'm not sure if you guys saw uh, before the game they were going through Penix's injury history, and for that guy to persevere and to be where he's at right now and to be you know a Heisman semifinalist is is an incredible feat. And I'm pulling for the Huskies all the way. Preach, man. Yeah, I think most of America probably is too. He's they're they're easy to root for. Penix is a stud, so we'll see what happens, man. Uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. At least for me, the first half will be fun to watch. But you know, um, <laughs> so uh, that'll do it on questions, um, and that'll do it for segment one. Coming up here in segment two, uh, we are going to go over uh, the Irish's big. Uh, bowl win over Oregon State in the Sun Bowl. We're going to give some of our thoughts on that. We'll talk some a little bit of NFL news, uh, transfer portal news, and a little bit of recruiting. So 
Uh, we will be right back, so make sure you stay with us. Welcome back to the First and Gold podcast segment two. Uh, the Irish capped off their 2023 season with a big bull win. Uh, actually, the largest bull victory in Notre Dame history uh, over Oregon State. The Irish finished the game uh, 40-8 to eight over the Beavers. And it was an impressive performance, really, from, from top to bottom. Um, it, it was enjoyable to watch. It was stress-free. Got to see a lot of young guys. So uh, let's just dive into it, fellas. Um, what are some of your overall thoughts of the bowl game and, and wrapping up this 2023 season? Um, Joe, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot first here. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, well, it was good to finally get a win against an OSU. Um, that, <laughs> that was my first. That was my first takeaway. Too soon? Am I too soon with that joke? Um, but <laughs> I, kind of like you said, Nick, I I really enjoyed the game. It was stress free. I love the way the tact, the physicality that Notre Dame came to play this game, right from you know the opening drive. Um, you know, I thought Notre Dame was showing that they came to win this game. This game meant a lot to the guys that had that uniform on. And I love seeing that. I think that is, gives a lot of credit to, uh, the coaching staff with a lot of, uh, hoopla, I would say, you know, a lot of distractions going on with the transfer portal guys opting out, um, that can, you know, basically, deter a locker room from, you know, not seeing the objective ahead of, you know, playing against opponent where it could be a little bit sluggish, but that didn't seem to be the case, um, you know, with, with this Notre Dame team. And I thought they played at a really high level um, against this Oregon state team. And uh, you know, you can always say like, Oh, Oregon state wasn't, you know, didn't have their dudes either, but neither did we, we, we lost a lot of guys too. And, I love the way that, you know, the coaching staff, the players um, executed throughout the game. And I thought it was leaving 2023 on a high note. Yeah, very well said, man. I, and I I agree with you. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me was watching a lot of other bowl games uh, leading up to the Notre Dame bowl game uh, in El Paso. You know, a lot, a lot of teams were playing sloppy, had a lot of opt-outs, which we did too. Um, but from start to finish, the team was very well prepared, which I credit the coaches. It can't be easy keeping your guys uh, locked in for a Sun Bowl, um, you yeah. know, that some people are calling a meaningless bowl. But, you know, they fought from start to finish. Uh, there, A lot of new guys were getting their first – real game reps and you didn't see any, you know, stupid penalties or, uh, you know, obvious mistakes. So that tells me the culture at Notre Dame, which, you know, we already kind of knew that, um, but the culture was really showing itself and uh, the culture is very strong. So I, you know, overall, I was very, very pleased with the performance. I, I love seeing some of the young guys and uh, I'm excited to dive into to some of these, individual players and position groups uh, yeah. for the bowl games. So. And, and Nick, I wanted to share, you know, I, I luckily got to watch the game with grandma and I want to give her a shout. And this what? Is, yeah, I got to watch the game with grandma. She was well, down dang, in I'm Sarasota. Jealous. Yeah, she was down in Sarasota with us for the basketball tournament that uh, my team's down 
that uh, you guys down there won. That right? we won. We won the championship. Yeah. But this is why, you go know, beating, go Mo, go Mo. Um, go Big Mo. But this is why I think it's always just, it kind of reminds you why, you know, Notre Dame is so important. And even these Sun Bowl wins, you know, mean a lot. It was, it was really cool seeing grandma who, um, you know, this is Nick and I's uh, grandma, of course, who turns 90 this year. Uh, she was up and cheering for for the Irish during the game, uh, you know, clapping her hands, you know, telling the running back to go, go, go. Uh, when we <laughs> thought we were about to break it off. So those are the kind of the reminders and things I like to experience with, uh, you know, our family, Nick, that, uh, you know, it's kind of a special bond that, that we have with Notre Dame football. And I, I'm sure a lot of other people felt that way. Um, throughout the season with, you know, their family and loved ones. And, um, you know, it makes me just feel that much closer to why Notre Dame football is, you know, important in my life. Great point, man. Uh, yeah, we are, man. Yeah, we are truly a Notre Dame football family. Uh, we've been raised that way uh, since birth. So glad to hear you got to watch a game with Grandma. I, I'm jealous, uh, Grandma, you know, next yeah. game, come on now. Uh, we got to watch a game together. I, I got to keep up <laughs> with Joe here. Um, but, uh, no, love you, Grandma, um, and uh, glad we got a win, and uh, you guys enjoyed it. And also glad Moeller got a win down there uh, in Florida. Yep. You guys are you guys are undefeated, right? Undefeated. We'll, we'll have a tough one uh, tomorrow night, but yeah, things, things are going well and uh, we'll see how things pan out in, in March. Okay. Yeah. Tomorrow's a big one. Cincinnati Moeller, uh, home of uh, Irish commit Carson Hobbs. Um, basketball team is, is just as good. If not better, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, I may be a little biased, than the football <laughs> team. Uh, but no, both uh, phenomenal programs. Um, anyway, that's enough of my tangent on that. Uh, Liam, what were your overall thoughts on uh, on the big hallway? Yeah, no, uh, wow, what an incredible game. What an incredible performance. I will say, you know, it's, it feels so good to end the year on a high note, especially after the, the absolute roller coaster that the season was when through the first four weeks we were all chanting Sam Hartman for Heisman and ready to build the statue to, you know, losing that heartbreaker at Ohio State and then, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you somehow find a way to dig deeper when you lose that game to Louisville on the road and then everything is lost with a big bounce back win to USC and then, you know, on and on and on and on with the up and down and up and down. And it feels really good to end on and up. Um, I will say, first and foremost, shout out to Gino Guduli. Uh, what an incredible job he did calling Great the plays point. and keeping things simple for, for Steve Angeli, uh, who looked honestly like he's a seasoned veteran. I mean, 15 for 19, 232 yards and three passing touchdowns. Like you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a quarterback making his first start playing better than that. Uh, and especially on a, a big stage, like a bowl game, um, you know, this isn't a home game. This isn't an environment where, you know, uh, everything is calm and, and you're, you're familiar with it. Steve Angeli went out there and he balled from drive one and they started extremely quickly. The defense didn't miss a beat. You know, obviously you have, um, Benjamin Morrison making that interception at the end of the half and Howard Cross stepping up, getting, getting a sack. Um, I can't, I don't remember if, but did Botello, did your guy Joe get a sack in that game? Yeah, he did. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. He, uh, and he also won lineman MVP. He had he one actually sack. Had, had, no, he, oh no, you're right. Only one. Sorry. Yeah. One sack and then one and a half tackles for loss. Yeah. Um, it's also great right. to see guys like uh, Jaden Thomas step up. Jordan Faison is like, 
incredible. I think Jordan Faison is everything we wanted a guy like Chris Tyree to be all year um, with that shiftiness and that speed and taking advantage of it and scheming guys like that in positions where they're able to get the ball and make a difference. I feel like that was very important to see um, for the future of this program. And I, all in all, like I'm extremely impressed. I don't think that could have gone any better if you scripted it. Yeah. A lot of good points there. And uh, I want to follow up on Steve Angeli. I mean, a, a, a lot of doubters, you know, a lot of people have already written Steve Angeli off and, you know, he comes in, uh, the whole bull prep, Oregon State had all that time to prepare for him, prepare for his strengths and weaknesses. And like you said, Liam, he he showed out like a seasoned vet. And uh, it, it really, for me as, you know, just someone watching, it made me feel a lot better because, you know, we're bringing in Riley Leonard, who, you know, a guy that likes to run the ball and can be a little bit injury prone. If Steve Angeli sticks around, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to see meaningful reps next year. And I think he can come in and, and seamlessly run the offense. Uh, on top of that, Gino Gadulli, I I agree with you, Liam. But that dude, he can he can call plays, man. Uh, the team looked very well prepared. Um, I, I liked what I saw uh, out of Steve Angeli and Gino. Nick, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off, off that. For Angeli, the one thing that stood out to me in this game that I probably didn't give him credit for uh, was his athleticism. It looks like he's lost a little bit of weight uh, from what he had in the spring game um, to what he looked like, you know, during during the Oregon State game. Uh, but man, I was really impressed with athletically how well he moved in the pocket, um, but also just making plays with his legs, you know. Obviously, he went 15 for 19 for 232 yards and three touchdowns with a QBR rating of 96.2. But I was also impressed with eight carries for 27 yards with a 17-yard uh, carry a, as his long. I mean, those were those are little plays that I didn't think he had in his arsenal. Um, so yeah. seeing him kind of pull that off on the field um, made me kind of open my eyes a little bit uh, that something I wasn't expecting going into this game. Well, and, and on top of that, he showed that he can read, he can run the read option. Like he showed that he can read the defensive end and make the correct reads, Yep. which I feel like we haven't seen. Like I remember, you know, uh, past quarterbacks trying to do that and it, it just, it wouldn't work. Yes. So I, I'm with you uh, his athleticism, his ability to, to read those types of plays was impressive for me. Um, so, you know, I, I got to hope he sticks around. I, I know he's probably not going to – well, he's not going to get the starting nod uh, for 2024, but uh, got to hope he sticks around, man. He was impressive. Um, additionally, Jordan Faison, man. I want to say, Joe, back in August, mm -hmm. we answered some type of question, and I'm going to keep my own here. But it was something along the lines of who's the one guy that – nobody expects to do anything that we think might break out. And I yep. want to say that I said, Jordan Faison. You did. That cat needs to change his number to 23 because he reminds me, <laughs> he, he reminds me of golden Tate, dude. He really, <laughs> yeah, I, I know that may be a little premature golden Tate's, you know, a legend, but his style of game, his, his ability to make people miss and his effort, it, it reminds me of a golden to me. This, this kid's going to be a superstar 
not only for football, but probably for lacrosse too, you know, so. Hey, I love me the lax bro. I, I yeah. think he, the fact that he has his lacrosse background, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, I fall in love with, I played lacrosse back in high school. Um, and I hope he tears it up for uh, the ND men's lacrosse team who's looking to repeat their title one. this year. Yeah. Um, one. Yeah. And they also have Tyler Buckner on the team. They got they got a couple of uh, you know Notre Dame football <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, welcome team. back, Tyler Buckner, man. <laughs> yeah, who but, would have thought Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine back back <laughs> Notre Dame, but not even on the football team? That's crazy uh, to me. It's wild times we're living in, fellas. Yeah, wild. <laughs> it's wild. Things change so quickly in college yeah. football. Yeah. Oh man, crazy. but for Jordan Faison, I mean. I hope this dude does not get buried in the wide receiver room. Um, I know he doesn't have, you know, obviously the accolades of, you know, his recruitment being a former walk-on, but this dude has earned uh, to have significant playing time in the 2024 season because he is a problem. The dude has electric speed. I love his football (sighs) instincts. I think we talked about this too, Nick, um, in one of our spaces after a game that, he just seemed a little bit more natural. And this isn't any dig on any of our uh, former wide receivers or current wide receivers, but when he got the ball in his hands, you just could tell that the defense moved a little bit slower and he could make that, yeah. that shifty move to get that extra one to two yards and make a guy missed that is sometimes hard to coach or teach. Um, you know, you kind of have to have those instincts with the ball in your hand and he certainly has it. And I, I hope he, and I actually see him uh, predict him to be uh, a future playmaker for this offense in the 2024 season. He, we, we are just scratching the surface for this uh, this gem that that kind of fell into our laps out, out of nowhere. But kudos to you, Nick, for for getting this one right earlier in the season from from what you saw during uh, fall camp. Hey, you know, uh, even a, a broken clock is is right twice a day. So. <laughs> Man, uh, what the <laughs> prediction that is! I can't believe you said that. That's crazy. Well, I, I got to toot my own horn. Uh, like I said, I'm not right very often, but when I am, you know, I gotta gotta brag on myself. <laughs> I guess, so. uh, but uh, no, uh, uh, great performance by him, and, and I think he's locked up uh, the the punt return duties as well, and probably kick return. I, I'd love to see him back there uh, for that as well, but. Um, any other thoughts on on the wide receiver room from the bowl game from you guys? Yeah, um, I I actually wrote something before um, the bowl game, uh, and it, it involved the three keys uh, for a Notre Dame victory. And one of them was the Irish receivers needing to pull their own weight a little bit. Um, we've seen you know lackluster performance. You can blame that on Stucky. You can blame that on lack of development. Whatever you want to blame it on. But man, did these guys step up in a big way when when they needed it, especially, you know, some of the older guys. I want to shout out uh, Jaden Thomas coming back from injury and making an impact early. Um, call. They really made Angeli's job a whole lot easier with a new quarterback and some some more of the veteran presence like like Thomas and Salerno um, definitely dampened any sort of miscommunication issues that might have shown up. So a big shout out to the wide receivers, man. They made they made. As, as well as Angeli played, uh, they made his job a whole lot easier during that tumble. Yeah, great point, man. It, it was great to have a healthy Jaden Thomas back. I think he's the leader of that group. And, um, yeah, it, it was great to see him back in action. So, um, all right, let's 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 uh, let's jump to the offensive line. You know, we had a lot of uh, new starters in there. We had 
Jagasaw at left tackle, Tosh Baker at right tackle, uh, Billy Shrouth at guard, uh, Pat Coogan, you know, who had started all year, and then Ashton Craig. Um, I, I want to get your guys' thoughts. How, how do you think these guys performed? Uh, how many of these guys do you see, uh, I guess, starting uh, down at, at Texas A&M for the opener? Liam, I'll let you take it. Uh, yeah, so first of all, four out of five uh, brand-new faces for Notre Dame on the offensive line is definitely something that you see and you're like, oh, man, we're in trouble right away. Um, but I will say, you know, I was super impressed. They were able to spring uh, Jadarian Price for, I think he had 103 yards total in the game, a lot of them on that big uh, chunk run play. I don't know if it was in the what quarter it was in. Um, but, you know, the, the run game was, was slow and steady at times. Um, Jeremiah Love couldn't necessarily find the success that uh, that Price was having. But, you know, I, that comes with the territory, right, with a bunch of new starters. But, man, it's Notre Dame. Like, they're going to have an elite offensive line. You know, in whatever stage of development, they're able to get the high-ceiling guys like uh, Jagasov, who's a monster. I think he was one of the higher-rated um, tackles for Notre Dame in the 23 class. So it's great to see a true freshman like that getting some playing time early. I could definitely see him stepping up. Um, Tosh Baker played great as well. I will say that some of the sacks that were given up in this game, um, I, I feel like that comes a little bit with Angeli's inexperience. You saw some times where Angeli kind of just froze. He kind of got, you know, shades of Jack Cone concrete shoes in the pocket sacks there. Um, so, I mean, we can't necessarily attribute some of the sacks given up to, to offensive line play. I think, you know, given everything leading up to this game, and the inexperience on the line, I think they well exceeded expectations. And I could see, you know, Jagasaw getting a lot more meaningful playing time, uh, as well as Billy Shrouth and, and Tosh Baker. Um, you know, they played phenomenal as well. It's hard to, it's hard to knock um, uh, new starters, especially this early on. And from the small sample size we've gotten, I have to say I'm, I'm pretty impressed with their play. Yeah. Now, I want to put both of you guys on the spot because I kind of mentioned it. Who is our starting lineup? on the offensive line going into Texas A&M next year? Oof. That's tough. I mean, that that is an absolutely brutal question. And this is, this is saying that we're not going to pick up a left tackle out of the transfer portal. Well, that's what I was going to kind of follow up with is I think these guys had, especially our tackles, Baker and um, Jagasol or Jagusa, um, however you say his last name, I've heard both so many times. Um, but they played at a level where they showed um, Rudolph and, um, you know, obviously Mike Denbrock and <clears throat> Marcus Freeman that, you know, you guys don't need to get, you know, a portal guy. You know, your offensive linemen that you can win with are right here in-house that you are developing and we could take over the reins of, of Blake Fisher and Joe Walt that are, are going to the NFL. Uh, we're able to, you know, carry the carry the chain. So, um, I that's my biggest takeaway. So, it, so Nick, with your question, I'll say our five starters going into Texas A and M are all guys that are already, you know, on the Notre Dame roster. And I would have to say our tackles would be, you know, Jagusa um, and and Tosh. I, I don't think Emil will will pick up the weight. Um, to to battle for that spot. I think Tosh has, you know, obviously the experience and, and this is his year. This is his moment where he'll be able to to gain that starter spot and I expect him to do so. Uh, 
Um, then at the guards positions, I do see um, maybe a little bit of an upset. Um, I know Rocco won, um, you know, obviously the guard position uh, to start the year in 2023, but I, I really like the combination of Billy Shrouth and, and Coogan. Um, and then Ashton Craig filling in the middle at center. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a, a likely offensive line going into the start of next season. Liam, do you have any thoughts on that? Joe, I agree with everything, except I'm going to lean that Spindler comes back and takes that guard position. They call him the monster of the Midwest for a reason. I will always have a sp- soft spot for Rocco Spindler just because he picked Notre Dame over Michigan, and I'll never forget the meltdown <laughs> that their fan base had on Twitter when that happened. So I like everything you said, but I'm taking Rocco at guard. All right. Yeah, I I, I think you guys bro- both brought up a lot of good points. I thought Jagasol, for his very first start and, and uh, you know, being a true freshman, I thought he, I thought he held his own out there. You know, his left tackle, his best position, you know, I don't know. Um, but I, I thought he played well. Um, so I can see – I think he'll be the, the starting left tackle going into next year. You know, I, I didn't think it was Coogan's best day. Um, but, you know, I think he's got that, that starting spot. Ashton Craig, I think, is a, a future stud. Um, he kind of reminds me of I, – I, I he kind of reminds me of Jeff Fain. I, I don't know if you guys remember him. He was yeah, I remember Jeff. Yeah, he was back in the early, early 2000s. But uh, he's just – he's got a toughness to him. His, his technique's good. Um, and, and he doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes for, for how young he is. And the right guard's a big one. Spindler, Shrouth, and uh, Joe Rudolph's got a uh, – He's got his work cut out for him, but shout out to him for getting the guys ready for this bowl game. And um, I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Liam's side. I, I think it'll probably end up being Rocco again, um, but you know, we'll wait and see. Um, and then right tackle, it's hard telling. I, I don't know if Tosh Baker's it or not. Um, I don't know. We'll see, but I guess I'll go with Baker because that's probably the easy pick. But um, so yeah, the, the guy in Dayton, Emil. I, I I love Emil. I think Emil's the left. He should be the left tackle, but I, he just he can't pack on weight, man. He's he's yeah. got some athleticism, but he's just so light. I I don't know. I I'd love to see. Honestly, I'd like to see Jack. I'd rather see Jagasaw at right tackle, and Wagner at left tackle if he can pack on the weight. But I don't know if that's going to happen. So. Wagner can move though. I'm not sure if you guys saw um, yeah, when, when he was recruited. Um, there's like videos of him windmill dunking basketballs. Like he is an absolute athlete. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll be a little bit more patient with Wagner, but I think the ceiling is very, very high for him if if he can put the weight on. And I hope he can. Yeah. No, good point. I, I'm high on him as well. Um, we're loaded. <laughs> Our offensive line, man, it's, it's always. It's never an issue. Yeah, yeah. So, got to trust that that Rudolph will get it figured out uh, here in the off season. But um, running back room, we we kind of touched on it. Jadarian Price had a big day, rushing for over a hundred yards. I I love that dude. We are so loaded <laughs> at running back. Thank you, Dylan McCullough. I mean, with what we have uh, between Price and Love and Payne uh, and the freshman coming in. Uh, with Young and, and uh, Williams, I mean, my goodness, man, I, 
I don't think there's enough touches to go around. I really Yeah. I was going to ask, like, who do you guys think your odd man out is in that running back room next year? My, my, my biggest takeaway with the way that, um, you know, McCullough has developed this room is I love the complementary of Blacks that they have. They all are a little bit, you know, have their individual running style that complement each other so well. Um, you know, obviously Price is, you know, not as big as SMA, but he can be that bruiser. He's He has that bigger build than, than Jeremiah Love does. And I think that kind of um, downhill running dynamic, but also that ability to break, you know, an 80-yard run um, with with his speed. He This is a guy that obviously we were really high on in the spring back in, in 2022 um, that he showed flashes before his Achilles injury. So, uh, to see him back at at full strength has been awesome, um, and then you have Jeremiah Love, who's kind of that that explosive scat back, um, where he can do a lot of things, not just in the running but also the passing game. Um, I just think those two are just a wonderful one-two punch. But to go back to your question, Liam, I know I just went on a little bit of a rant there. Uh, you know, the the guy that I just see out that I just kind of get a little frustrated with. Um, is Jabron Payne. I know they love to come in there in those short yardage situations, whether it's third and three, third and two, third and one. Um, but the talent that we have coming in, I just think uh, have higher ceilings and sometimes even higher floors than what he has. And that's nothing against how hard he runs. The dude runs hard. But I think eventually this running back room, um, if they keep developing, is just going to surpass kind of you know his floor. That's a good point. I, and, you know, I, I do think if I had to pick an odd man out, I, I'd probably go with Payne as well. But let's not get it twisted. You know, like you brought up, Joe, the dude runs hard. He stays low to the ground. He's got good balance. And he's really, really good in pass protection. So I I don't think it's going to be easy to, to get carries away from him as far as, you know, the other guys. Uh, but as far as just pure talent and, and – and at running back, he, he is probably the odd man out. Yeah, I, I asked that question knowing the answer a little bit, but I, I just wanted to see if you guys would echo my sentiment. And I agree, it's nothing against Jabron Payne, but I just think, I think Joe put it perfectly, the, the talent of the room ends up surpassing his floor, especially if Notre Dame continues to recruit the way that they are, bringing yeah. in guys like Kedron Young and Anais Williams, who are, you know, I would, I would compare Anais Williams a little bit to Jabron Payne and sort of that that shorter muscle hamster type of back. Um, but yeah, you know, um, the talent is, is just, it's, it's embarrassing almost how much it's talent crazy. Notre Dame has at running back. So, yeah, it's fun to watch, man. It's going to be exciting because, you know, we got Aeneas and, and Kedron Young or Kedron, I don't know, either way, uh, coming in. And then 2025, we already have our, uh, our two running backs locked up as well. Justin Thurman and uh, Daniel Anderson, both I think are, are very talented players. So uh, Dila McCullough is relentless. Dude's a beast, man. I, I, and I'm loving every minute of it. But um, all right, uh, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. I, you know, I, I placed my, my little $5 bet that I do on, on some football games. And I usually try not to bet on Notre Dame because I'm, you know, I always think Notre Dame's – well, I always hope Notre Dame's going to win. Uh, but this one I had to, with with all the guys we had coming back on defense, 
I said, there's no way that Oregon State's going to be able to score many points. So, guys, what what are your thoughts on defense? What what stand what stood out to you uh, in the Sun Bowl victory? Yeah, so obviously another masterclass performance from from the defense. It, it was fun seeing Riley Mills in there and Howard Cross. Obviously, they they made the decision to come back, and uh, it was good just kind of getting another a reassurance of how good our interior line is going to be next year. Uh, those dudes are going to be a force in college football uh, in 2024. Are going to be obviously the staple of of how good this this defense can be, um, and I expect them to be an elite level. So uh, those were you know obviously two players that I love seeing, um, but. One thing that really stood out to me, Nick, during the game defensively was our cornerbacks. Um, you know, I thought Christian Gray really stood out in this game, that we are really not going to miss much of a beat. And I know I gave my my praise to Cam Hart, probably the uns- – or I think the unsung hero of the year. But we have another uber-talented cornerback that I believe is going to take his place in Christian Gray. Uh and I think the you know we're gonna have a tandem of him and Benjamin Morrison as again possibly the best tandem cornerbacks in college football. Yeah, a lot of good points. Our our secondary is gonna be ridiculous next year. I I mean I know I'm worried about the other safety spot and, and a lot of Notre Dame fans are, but I mean the talent that that Mickens and and O'Leary have um, brought in and developed back there has been phenomenal and. Real quick before Liam, I want to hear your thoughts. We got to give a shout out. Speaking of of secondary, of the secondary, uh, to Jaden Mickey. You know his yep. mom passed uh, the, the night before the game. Uh, he still played played well. Um, just what a phenomenal young man. You know, great representation of of Notre Dame. So uh, I had to throw that in there while it was on my mind. But Liam, uh, go ahead. Let's let's hear some of your defensive thoughts. Yeah, that's a great point. Obviously, uh, Joe, the secondary phenomenal. Um, Christian Gray is going to be a star. Um, we've known that for a while now. Uh, I did want to point out um, very quickly. Jalen Sneed, uh, I thought played a phenomenal game. Uh, I wasn't sure who was in on that. Uh, that fake punt stop. Uh, I know Mickey was there. Was it also Sneed? I, I can't remember. But anyways, um, some of the younger talent really got to shine too. I know we saw a bit of Drake Bowen. We touched on Schuler earlier. Um, the youth um, and Freeman's guys getting in were almost out of the full cycle of the, the Brian Kelly recruits and we're turning over now into the Freeman era of defensive recruits that were really exciting. Starting back to guys he uh, brought on in that first uh, 2022 class, I believe. Um, so now we're starting to see a little bit of that turnover and a little bit of that talent shine. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what some of these younger guys can do next year and what their roles are going to be. And that starts with guys like uh, Jalen Sneed stepping up. Um, I know with Kaiser coming back, it kind of throws a wrench into it a little bit. But the good news is with a guy who has that type of athleticism, you can kind of plug him in anywhere he needs to go. Um, so a lot of the youth standing out to me, obviously, Jordan Patello. Um, and those those big guys up front, Mills, Cross, they're just maulers. And I can't even fathom, you know, them coming back, how – I can't understate how important that is for this defense. Um, I will say we do need to find maybe, you know, that true edge guy. Bringing in uh, RJ Oban from Duke helps a lot. 
but I feel like we haven't had that edge threat that we had with Isaiah Foskey or, you know, maybe uh, the Aquaras, but th that's yet to be seen. But anyways, I'm getting off topic a little bit. Um, yeah, the defense played phenomenal. I mean, you could have asked for a better game plan from Al Golden. I know it's a little bit unfair with Oregon State being down to their basically almost third string, fourth string in some cases, but um Hey, man, that's the way college football is nowadays with transfer portal and the opt-outs. So um, just a really impressive performance altogether. You couldn't have asked for anything more except for maybe keeping that goose egg up on the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> no, and right. Liam, I think you mentioned a really good point. Uh, you know, he brought I, up I, your son before you did. Well, I didn't want to be the one to bring <laughs> him up. You know, I don't want to be keep tooting, tooting uh, you know, Jordan Botello's horn. You know, I'm the number one guy in his fan club, but – uh, you know, I, I understand what Liam's saying. I think the Viper position uh, throughout the year has been a kind of a disappointment um, from what the production we've got out of that unit or, you know, that position specifically. Uh, I will be first to admit that my son, Jordan Patello, the guy that I, I have loved since we've got him, uh, didn't play up to the hype that he kind of had surrounding him after his play versus South Carolina in last year's bowl game. But obviously he comes out, wins Lyman uh, MVP uh, during the Sun Bowl, uh, comes out with, you know, obviously a sack. He led the team with five tackles, plays a phenomenal game. Um, the, the game that we kind of expected him to play at that kind of level throughout the season, unfortunately we just didn't see it. So I, I hope that we get more out of this Viper position. Hopefully this is momentum for, you know, Jordan to uh, have a big year in 2024, uh, you know, get the 2023 year in the rear view, you know, ended on a somewhat high note. Um, but I, I am concerned about this Viper room. I think Al Golden going into this year, and Nick, I'd like to hear your thoughts, is it's going to be an open competition. I don't think this is going to be handed to Jordan Patello um at all i'd be interested to see where josh burnham lies or if there's maybe a possible uh portal guy that that they want to keep their eye on uh to fill in that position because if you could complement you know two elite or above average pass rushers uh to the either side of riley mills and howard cross uh you're you're cooking you're cooking with grease so uh, it'll be interesting to see how how al golden and the staff attacks uh, the transfer portal and, um, you know, obviously roster adjustments moving forward. Yeah. A lot of good points, guys. I couldn't, I, I completely agree with, with, um, everything you guys are saying. I, I Liam to follow up. I thought Jalen Sneed, I thought this was one of the best games I've seen him play. I've really, I've been worried about Jalen Sneed's development because uh, yes, he's, he's, you know, one of the best athletes on the team, but I was worried about his ability to, uh, you know, play as a true linebacker and, and, and make some reads and, and adjustments. And, but he, he started to show that in this game. So I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, the D line, I, I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about RJ Oban. I think that dude, uh, it's going to be a stud. Shout, also, shout out JJB for playing in this game. I didn't Facts. think he would. I mean, well, that you talk about winning over a fan base. The fact that he still played in this game, even though some idiots on Twitter were saying, oh, no, he's opting out. I mean, 
love that guy. Uh, true Notre yeah. Dame man in my in my book. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting as far as going forward and, and the Viper position. Um, you know, d- don't count out uh, Bubakar Traore, man. I, I love that dude. Uh, we saw flashes of him um, through the season, but uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm of the mindset. You can never have too many pass rushers. So if there's one in the portal, go get them. I don't even care. Just stack them. But, yeah, um, yeah we'll see. Just a quick correction, by the way. I believe that was uh, Josh Burnham that stepped up on the fake punt. Um, so there you go. There's there's more there's more ammunition to the to the Viper fire for you. Um, okay. Young guys making good. plays. Yeah. No, they showed out, man. At the development that the the depth and and development of the roster from top to bottom is the best that I've. I think it's the best that I've seen in my lifetime. Like and. I know that might be crazy to some people, but, you know, I, I remember years early in Kelly's tenure and Weiss and Willingham where, you know, a starter goes out of the game and <laughs> the backup comes in and, and they might as well not even be there. So uh, very impressed with the roster top to bottom that Freeman's putting together. Couldn't be more excited about the future, but. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit here real quick. Um, let's go to the NFL, man. We have some guys, the, whole, the the old school narrative of, you know, Notre Dame doesn't put that many guys in the pros or that, you know, they're not successful. That's out the window. We have, so the NFL Pro Bowl has been announced. We got Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, Julian Love, Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, and Brandon Aubrey, who did not play for the football team. Uh, he played for the soccer team, but he is – he hasn't missed a kick for the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean – Incredible. It, it's incredible. So, uh, just some thoughts. I don't know if you guys are NFL guys, but it, it's great to see these Notre Dame guys having so much success. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, these these pro bowlers? Well, it's it's been cool seeing um, – you know, I would say McVeigh getting the most out of Kyron. And I, I would say for us being Notre Dame fans, we're not too surprised. We saw Kyron at a day-to-day or week-by-week basis when he was in a gold helmet. And the, the plays that he would make, the extra yards that he would somehow find was incredible where he rose up the ranks as one of my all-time favorite running backs uh, in, in Notre Dame ever. Um from my point of view. And I saw a cool stat where he's the first player with a thousand plus rushing yards and 10 plus scrimmage touchdowns in his first 10 career starts uh, since Ezekiel Elliott in 2016. Uh, oh, wow. Pretty, pretty good for a fifth round pick, um, you know, for, for the Rams. And I know McVay has given a lot of kudos to uh, the Notre Dame staff for his development and um, obviously he's showing it on the field. And uh, I, I love seeing that for Kyron. I think he's a hard worker. He runs so hard. And um, regarding Kyle Hamilton, the other star, he's in a Baltimore Raven uniform. So I don't love seeing that as much um, being a Bengals fan. But that dude is balling out at a high level. No doubt about it. He's a stud. I think I saw something that he was the highest graded safety this year uh in the nfl so wow you know we got, we got guys 
killing on the back end of defenses, at running back, all over the place. Uh, one guy I was really happy for was Julian Love, man. You know, he he's bounced around to a couple of different teams, but he he keeps hanging in there, man. He keeps making plays, and I'm happy for him. So, yeah, it's exciting times for uh, the Irish in the NFL. Now, Liam, I, do you follow NFL at all? I do, and I have some, some thoughts about the Pro Bowl selection. I think that the NFL should be ashamed of themselves for snubbing Jeremiah Wusukoromoa Pro Bowl, yes. Pro Bowl spot. That guy Good has point. proved – okay, so this is, this, is, this is where I'm at. We've had three NFL – or three Pro Bowl players right now, Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, and JOK, who have all drastically fallen in the draft due to lower combine results or, or whatever the reason – um, and they're now pro bowlers. When are we going to start taking into account that maybe the 40 isn't all that matters? Because if you look at a guy like Kyron Williams, who ran a 4.6, a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who ran a 4.6, JOK, who I'm not even sure why he fell, um, but I believe he fell He fell to the second round after being projected top 20. Um, when are we going to start saying, maybe we should maybe we should keep an eye on these guys from Notre Dame, and, and maybe the combine isn't everything. But anyways, yeah, I, that, that was extremely frustrating for me to see. Uh, JOK definitely should be in the Pro Bowl. Uh, you have guys, obviously, like Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, continuing the O-line, you lineage. Zach, Zach, Zach Martin, sorry, has been the, the best guard in football for the better part of a decade now. Quentin Nelson, obviously, um, top five pick. Um, yeah, I just, just keep killing it. Like, it's, it's so exciting to see, I think, second in Pro Bowl selections only to Alabama. And uh, shout out, shout out to, to Aubrey. I know, I know he's uh, didn't play for the football team, but it's great to see some Notre Dame representation, um, whether that be soccer or otherwise in the NFL for uh, for a Pro Bowl nod. So it's it's always great to see. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up JOK. Uh, you talk yeah. about getting a steal uh, as far as the Cleveland Browns getting him in the second round. He should have been a first rounder, no doubt. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, all right, so let's jump into uh, some portal and recruiting news. Um, Rod Hurd, a defensive back out of Northwestern, uh, recent or no, he has a visit scheduled for Notre Dame. He plays nickel safety. Um, I think he'd be a big time get uh, for the Irish. Um, he just took a visit to Michigan as well. Um, you guys have any thoughts on uh, Rod Hurd? for the transfer portal uh, in the secondary? Well, I think for the first time in a long time, you know, secondary outside of the safety position isn't necessarily um, a position of need, which is crazy to say, especially considering where we are at not so long ago in terms of secondary play. Um, but I think the more the merrier. Uh, obviously, the depth is needed. Um, and if you see a guy who fits um, the Notre Dame what, what Notre Dame is looking for in a student athlete, why not pursue them? Um, we've had such a pipeline uh, with Northwestern players as well, thinking back to guys like Brandon Joseph and Ben Skoranek. Um, you know, why not pull the trigger? If you see a guy that's a fit, why not pursue him? Yeah, no, I think this guy, I, I watched a little bit of his tape, and I, I think he could be a big-time addition. We need somebody to fill in for uh, for Thomas Harper. I don't know exactly uh, if the staff wants him at nickel or at, at safety, but 
either way, we have two holes there that, that need filled. I'm like you, Liam. Yeah. See a guy, bring him in. So, and and so. Nick, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm very curious, uh, you know, how, how hard they pursue um, herd because, you know, obviously you already have the addition of the commitment of Jordan Clark from Arizona state and, you know, everything I've read from Rod Hurd, he's more of a slot corner as well. So I wonder if they project either of these guys as maybe helping out the safety room um, or if these are guys that, you know, they just want to have some depth uh, within that slot, uh, that slot position. Um, So uh, whether they're, they're seen as more of a nickel, uh, I am kind of curious on, on how they evaluate. And I'm sure that will come out here in the next, um, you know, few days of things like we're always getting updates on, on portal uh, portal news, but that was my number one takeaway when I saw that they were getting him on campus. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, to echo some of those thoughts, you know, I don't know which, which spot they're bringing them in, um, but they, you know, they need support in both areas. So I think that's a good point. Um, Real quick, you know, what do you guys see is, is left needs that are left that the Irish need to address in the portal? So I, what's what's the top two areas that you would you two would like to see uh, Freeman go after here in the portal? Liam, I'll let you take that. Yeah. So first and foremost, I know we've gotten two incredible grabs from the portal at the wide receiver position in Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell. Um, but I think the more the merrier. Uh, honestly, I know I know the Irish have their eyes on that. Uh, is it a Wake Wake Forest guy? I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, Jamal Banks. Jamal Banks, yeah. So if they can get Jamal Banks, um, that would be huge. I know they had their eyes on another Washington statewide receiver. Either I think that uh, I think that ship has sailed. But uh, if they could land one more wide receiver to make it a little bit more comfortable uh, and create sort of, I think I think the spirit of competition needs to be reawoken in the wide receiver room a little bit because um, we we need we need uh, some guys to to step up next year. We can't have exactly what we had this year with our top receiver, not even totaling 500 yards. You got a guy like Chris Mitchell coming in mm-hmm. who had over 1,100 receiving yards this year. If you, if you add um, the Irish's top three receivers yardage total together, that's how much, that's how many yards you would need in order to surpass Chris Mitchell's total. So uh, bringing in guys with lots of experience and stuff like that is super helpful. Outside of that, um, they kind of address the edge need with, with RJ Oban. Um, so I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but right now I feel like if we could cement that commitment from Jamal Banks, I feel like we'd be in a good spot. Yeah, no, and just to follow up on that, I I agree. I think I think you got to take one more wide receiver, um, and I don't know if it'll be Banks or or who. I I, I know um, number seven for Oregon State, the the real speedy guy, uh, Silas Bolden. Uh, he recently entered the portal, and I don't know if he's a true uh, candidate for Notre Dame, but I love that kid's game, man. He is—he's got game-breaking speed. Uh, another name to watch out for that recently entered the portal is uh, C.J. Daniels. Um, he was the leading wide receiver for Liberty University. Uh, he's one that I would keep an eye on um, the wide receiver spot. So, Joe, uh, who who are you targeting in the portal? Yeah, so you know my my number one thing is is getting after opposing quarterbacks. I would love to see in my perfect world 
Notre Dame going after, whether it's a Viper's position or another big end, um, a guy that could come off come off the edge and, and get to opposing quarterbacks. Um, obviously, I, I love Jordan Patello. I, I'm interested to see the growth that we get in Josh Burnham with another year. But, you know, I think to be at the elite level and, you know, we're going to be aiming to win four college football playoff games in a row, um, which most likely means you're going to go against uh, a couple or a few elite quarterbacks. You got to make those guys feel uncomfortable. So to take this defense to another level, I know we have a elite guys in our secondary. I know we have elite guys, um, you know, in our, in our linebacker, but in elite guys in our interior defensive line, if we could kind of uh, perfect it with, you know, increasing our, our edge rushers um, or our edge rushing talent, I think that that will go a long way for, for this Notre Dame team in 2024. Now, let me ask you guys both this, and then we'll move on from the portal. So do you target if a left tackle, you know, enters his name into the portal, that's, you know, proven, do you go after a left tackle? And then additionally, uh, we're, we're, I think we're at five linebackers. Do you guys target a linebacker in the portal? I do not. I would say okay. pass. I I truly believe in the offensive line talent that we have that, you know, we should be able to develop, um, you know, on, on our tackle position. I know, obviously, it could be concerning with the inexperience with Tosh and obviously with uh, Jagasaw, but I, I do think these are you're, – you're playing or you're, you're molding some pretty good – talent overall that that can be productive for your offensive line that are hopefully protecting Riley Leonard or if it's Steve Angeli or CJ Carr, Kenny Minchie. Um, but they're going to have, you know, obviously a lot of weapons that they can go to in the skill position players as well. But uh, for for the left tackle position, unless it's a bona fide stud, I, this is the same kind of argument, Nick, that we get with the quarterbacks. If this is a can't miss guy, go get him. But if it's just a guy to kind of compete, I, I'd be okay with holding that spot or giving it to another position group. Well said. Liam? Yeah, so here's the thing. If it were any other position other than left tackle, I would say forget about it. But because the left tackle is the most important position for a right-handed quarterback on the offensive line, I say better safe than sorry. If you see a guy that you think could even be a key depth piece for Notre Dame heading into this season – I think left tackle needs to be a position of notice at all costs. So if you have a guy um, that, you know, may not start over somebody like uh, Jagasaw, Baker, whoever it is, um, one of those guys goes down, some experience on that back end would definitely help out. Now, as far as linebacker goes, I think you have a lot of elite players that are waiting their turn. Uh, obviously, we talked about Snead already. Um you have younger guys like uh, Drake Bowe and Jaden Osbury. So I would pass in terms of uh, the linebacker position. But if there's a left tackle, if it's, you know, the perfect marriage between uh, it doesn't like, like Joe said, it doesn't have to be a starter. If it's, it's a key depth piece, I would definitely say I would look into it. Yeah. Well said from both of you guys. I, and I think I agree with you on, on linebacker. I don't think that's uh, necessarily something. I know there's only like five guys there, but. There's a lot of talent there. And as far as left tackle, uh, you know, kind of like you guys mentioned, if uh, if a super elite guy is there, sure. But 
if not, we have enough talent in the room. So yeah, and I, yeah. I'm just so excited about honestly Osbury, who I know we didn't get to see a lot this year, but I think he is super athletic. Obviously, Jalen. He's Speed. one of my favorites. Oh, and KVA, I, I'm ready for Al Golan to unleash these guys. That's why I'm so excited for the spring game. I I think there's going to be a lot of new guys that we'll be excited to see that have a year under their belt, um, or just some new talent coming in that. Uh, are going to catch a lot of people's eyes this spring uh, going into fall camp. Yeah, And Joe, yeah. you talked a little bit about complimentary football in the running back room. I think the same can be said with a lot of these young linebackers. You have guys like uh, Jalen Sneed, who is built in a lab as an athletic freak, and complimentary guys like Jaden Osbury, who is praised for his great coverage skills coming out of high school. And then you just have guys that can flat out run downhill and hit like Drake Bowen. So there's going to be so many different complementary aspects to all of these linebackers games that are going to come together in the perfect, perfect marriage of play when the time comes. So I'm really excited to see that as well. Yeah, both great points. And additionally, you know, I feel like modern college football defense anyway right now is is running nickel. So I, I feel like you don't need as many uh, linebackers on your roster as you used to. So. Uh, I think those are both great points that you guys brought up. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump into recruiting here, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, not a ton of recruiting news. We just signed um, every player from the 2024 class, which you know we really dove into last episode. Um, top 10 recruiting class. So now the focus is all on uh, the 2025 class. Um, one player, though, that we need to keep an eye on is Kevin Humes. He reclassified, and he's taking a visit. One of you guys said you knew uh, what date that was. Um, or is it last, late? Last weekend in January. Okay. So he's a, he's a cornerback prospect, uh, very talented. Um, you know, he's locked in, I think, five official visits, and, and Notre Dame is one of them. So uh, we'll keep an eye on him. Uh Another thing, uh, as far as commit watch goes, uh, the three of us, you know, talking off air and everything, and a name to keep an eye on Irish fans is Ethan Long. He's a safety out of Connecticut, uh, 6'2", uh, long, rangy, athletic safety. Uh, he would be a big pickup for the Irish for the 25 class. Um, is there any other recruiting uh, news that you guys want to hit on before we close the show? No, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on Humes. Obviously, he is visiting the Irish January 26th through the 28th. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, falls out from there. I know a lot of the the beat writers, um, you know, don't feel too strong on where kind of Notre Dame sits right now. I know they're targeting a lot of, um, you know, high-end cornerbacks in the 2025 class already. And obviously, he would be 2024 because he just reclassified, but – I feel like this Irish staff feels pretty solid on the talent with Hobbs and, and Leonard Moore coming in. Um, so I, I'm not like totally like this is a, a need to get guy. It would be a luxury get at this point for me. Um, what about you, Liam? Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. Obviously, um, I know I know Hume's released his top six or top four or whatever in the Irish were a part of it. Um, but I feel like we're pretty solid on, on our guys that we have in this class. Um, and I think you put it perfectly. This would be a luxury pickup. I mean, I, 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 I don't feel too strong about it. I know the rest of the people in touch with um, Notre Dame don't feel too strong about it either. So um, 
Would it be great? Sure. Would I get my hopes up? Not necessarily. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up then, guys. Um, you know, it was a great show, I feel like. It was a lot of fun. Uh, always enjoyable. Any chance I get to talk Irish football, I mean, I could do it for hours. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate both of you guys hopping on. Uh, Liam, I, our first ever guest, uh, you did phenomenal. Yes, I, I appreciate you hopping on. And uh, I, I have a feeling that this won't be the only time that uh, that you're on the airwaves with us. So uh, appreciate it. Um, but uh, going out, make sure you guys are checking out the Irish Tribune. Uh, follow us on those socials. Liam, go ahead and hit them with your uh, Twitter handle because uh, we didn't inc include that. Uh, no worries. Uh, first of all, again, thank you guys so much. I, I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it, and I would love to be back. Uh, as far as my social media goes, you guys can find me on Twitter at liamgaudet.it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Um, we'll be back. You know, it's the off season, so I, I feel like our schedule is going to – it may not be weekly. It, I think a lot of it's going to depend on news that comes out, but uh, just be on the lookout. Um, you know, make sure you're subscribed and uh, follow us on, on social media and we'll, we'll keep you guys up to date. So as always, thanks for listening guys and go Irish. Go Irish. Go Irish. Please rate and review our podcast. We are available on Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon music, and Google podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at First and Gold Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. Don't forget to check out theirishtribune.com and follow us on all of our socials at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and of course, go Irish.